You seem hungry. Good thing your table is ready with Saturday Omaha. Saturday Omaha. Eat this. Hello, Dave Zorko here, and welcome to Saturday Omaha. On this episode, it's Food Recognized Food with Indelicio Penalosa of La Poblanita at 2322 South 20th Street. We're going to talk mole. And we're going to talk fuego as we travel the food Indiana's mom are making happen for your taste buds. Here we go on Saturday Omaha's Food Recognized Food. What I'll do to get us started is I'll do uh, some just nifty, like, off-the-wall intro, like, hey, this is Dave Zorko with Saturday Omaha, yeah. and I am sitting here with Indelicio Penalosa of La Poblanita. Since since you gave me permission, I'm going to go with Indy because that's awesome. So, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Indy, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I, I am fantastic, and I am blessed to be sitting with you here, uh, thankfully in the air conditioning on a very hot day outside. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I had first encountered your food at La Poblanita. We were still kind of way knee-deep in the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, we actually did some uh, parking lot dining at La Poblanita. I remember then. you were outside in the back, and if I remembered exactly, um, somebody ordered a huarachete asada. Yes. A taco chorizo, a guacamole, a mole with uh, anjolín. And I think you guys each tried a little bit of each other's food. You you are pretty much sense. dead on, man. That is yeah. a, you have a fantastic <laughs> <Thank> memory. <laughs> That's been, you know, two plus years ago yeah. now that our very first outing and, and of course, many meals uh, since Later. then. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It was so nice because you came out and and you talked to us and like we're tailgating in your in your parking lot yeah. because at that time you know a lot of people weren't eating in yeah of course you know so we got like our hatches up and whatnot but it was so cool because you came over and you were you were telling us about y- your mole which we'll talk about in a minute yeah. here um, and and how it how it differs maybe from some other moles and, and other things like that and so you were so so kind and so nice and and you made this like instant personal connection to three random dudes eating food in your parking no. lot. <laughs> I think I think that's what I, I cherish that moment quite a bit, actually, because I'm always cooking. So for me to get that one-on-one experience that I used to have before we got to the point that we're this busy yeah. are the kind of the moments I cherish most. It might feel to others um, just another order of food. Sure. But I remember it in the back of my head, like, because it means something to me. Yeah. Um, most people don't have the memory like that to hold, but I try my very best to um, make the one-on-one connection because at the end of the day, as a community, that's kind of how you stand. Um, and especially if I'm able to impact your life based off of food, I can share smiles through bellies, yeah. which is probably the biggest plus in the world because who doesn't like to be happy when they eat? Right. And those are moments that I think everybody cherishes every once in a while. So it's nice to reopen and then relive those as well. That's really cool. So, well, man, we'll, we'll talk about more of that later. But uh, so La Poblanita, so how long have you guys been open? Almost three years wow. in November. So two years, three-fourths. Yeah, and, and right before the, the pandemic, pandemic hit. So this is the way I put it to everybody. We were all actually open on Thanksgiving Day. We opened half the day. Yeah. Um, that was the only time we ever opened on Thanksgiving, but it's because we were so brand new. Yeah. Um, we kind of wanted to test the waters. It was literally the last normal Thanksgiving meal I think anybody ever had for the last few years. And it's amazing to see exactly how many people have come through our place, stayed, recommended others, have come multiple times, and that have also offered our families meals for any different holiday, not just Thanksgiving. And and precisely, what is the address of, the, of La Poblanita so people can find you? Because sure. it's a small little spot. Yeah. So, yeah. so we are located on South 20th and Martha, La Poblanita Mexican Restaurant's current address is 2322 South 20th Street, Omaha, Nebraska, 6810. Ooh, I like the zip code read, and longtime listeners of the show uh, will know that we place special emphasis. So that was a guest-provided zip code read. So very, very nicely done. <laughs> <Thank you>. so, <laughs> so, so what's happening at La Poblanita now? What's 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 going on at the restaurant? So, as of recently, my uncle had a restaurant not too far from ours. He actually went into retirement, so he shut down his place. Oh, he's renting it out to a business about the same size, except. That business does not have an extended menu as the previous owners did. Okay. So there are a lot more simplicity. So tacos, tortas, quesadillas, all of their people have returned 
to our restaurant. And I say return because those are my mom's old customers from oh. the early 2000s. Uh-huh. And their kids are all grown up. And when they see my mother cooking, they're like, this is where you've been? <laughs> oh, my God. Are you serious? And yeah. then they'll, they'll freak out because it's my mom. And they remember how basically she lifted up his restaurant. So all the flavors are now two times improved, if not ten times more improved on here. So then our customers, it's no longer a few of these items and this and this and this. We're constantly selling out of things almost daily because yeah. we make everything as fresh as we can. Sure. We laughed about it because we made uh, ribs and green salsa on Sunday morning. Yeah. Sunday afternoon was sold out. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, I looked at her. She looked at me, and I was like, we made enough. She was like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, <laughs> when I go to the stores, they's, there's supply shortages. Right. Um, and things like chicken went up crazy amounts of price. If everybody makes eggs, yeah, eggs are still high. They, they went low, and then they jacked back up high. Uh, chicken also is pretty bad. Drumsticks and thighs are pretty bad. I so. heard almost like I, th- I think it was like fourteen or seventeen percent. It was like a lot. It's bad. Yeah, it's really really yeah. bad. Um, everything went up in price. So when I tell people, I'm like, it's not that I don't buy it. It's when it's available, it's not there. Right. And I can't buy it. So I have to go to three, four different stores with today's gas prices, which are still Crazy. pretty high. Yeah, yeah, pretty high. And if I can call. And I can ask for a manager and they can try to find someone that has whatever I need. They say they might have it. If I go there and they don't have it, I just wasted 30, 40 minutes of my day looking to go find it and I can't find it. Right. So trying to tell that to our customers, it's a little difficult sometimes. For sure. And we'll get texts at 3 or 4 in the morning. Hey, do you think you'll have mojara fritas today? And I'm like, um, I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping. <laughs> First of all, I'm sleeping. <laughs> I'm sleeping. And, and I'll wake up in the middle of the night to get some water or something, and I'll respond. And yeah. they're like, oh, my gosh, you're up. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I was like, no, we, we don't have any. I can't tell you when because we, we, have no, we have no idea. Right. You don't even know if you're going to wake up and have supply or exactly. whatever. Yeah. And trying to explain that to some people, they understand it. But it's just been one of those experiences, like, this past Saturday morning. Within the first hour that we opened on Saturday morning, with the new adjustment we have inside, we had a line out the door of 17 customers that are all families waiting to come inside to eat while watching other families eat. And I was like... Yeah, because how many tables you got in there? There's so eight, ten, maybe seven. Okay, I think we so have I was, seven. I was close now. on the eight. Yeah, yeah, there's not a lot. It's a, it's a, you it's know, a, it's a, a small place. place. Yeah, yeah. And the way I always told everybody, I said, man, I've seen, and I grew up seeing it. You got places from like Discovery Channel, TLC, where they go to different food spots all over the world. Yeah, they're really, really small. There's places where you have to sit on the floor to eat. And I realized, I was like, you know. I've never seen another Mexican restaurant in the state with that kind of popularity Yeah. to where I will watch and wait till your family gets done eating. So then my family has a chance to take your table to eat with my family and then wait. So it's, it's great. It's crazy, but it's yeah. great. And um, it's just a blessing to have That's those awesome. kind of experiences. Hey, everyone. Are you enjoying the show so far? I hope so, because we're talking with Indalicio Penalosa of La Poblanita at 2322 South 20th Street, where you can get tacos, horaches, and the deeply flavored chicken mole. There's more flavorful talk with myself and Indy to be had. So let's get back to the show. Well, and, and I wanted to back you up a little bit just because talking to you so long ago and and uh, been in the restaurant numerous times. And so mom's cooking with you, yeah. right? So what, what restaurant was she at prior? Because you said some people followed her yeah. essentially or inadvertently <laughs> and were like, oh, that's where you are. So. so I believe it's in the early 2000s. My uncle opened up a restaurant on Park Avenue. She started working there from day one. It's my uncle's restaurant that was also owned with my aunt. It was called La Casita. Oh, okay. So my mom, when she migrated here from uh, Puebla, Mexico, she was in Texas, Oklahoma, and California for quite a bit. And then she settled down in Nebraska, and eventually I was born here. Yeah. So when she was in California, she learned all of her seafood tricks. When she was in Texas and in Oklahoma, she learned kind of the steaks and marinades. So when those were ah. transferred with her, she would kind of get an idea how she was learning. Yeah. Plus everything that she learned in Puebla, Mexico. So she 
would test. She would mix things. This is when ingredients didn't cost a thing. They were so cheap. Right. So for her to mess up or to mix up, instead of throwing it away, she could add on to whatever was failed and fix it. And correct it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really weird because let's say if you mess up a tattoo, well, it's pretty obvious you messed up. But there's there's certain individuals that can fix it sure. even though it's permanent. Right. So that was my mom in the sense of food knowledge. Yeah. So when I would grow up and I always loved my mom's food and I was wondering, like, how does she cook at my uncle's restaurant? And it was a seasoning she had on her meat. Mm-hmm. And I remember I told myself, I'm like, you know what? I wonder if I can do that. Because one of my brothers was super big into architect. The other one was a business marketing manager. And then the other one was into uh, mechanics. Okay. And I kind of was always the solo dolo artist. I always love doing different things. Yeah. Um, and the way I put it now is I used to paint pictures on a canvas, but now I paint them on a plate. Yeah, you do. And I, I pass them out. And so everything that was at that restaurant, those are all her recipes. Oh, nice. So okay. when those customers back in the day used to say, Dueña, because they thought she was the owner, the lady owner in Spanish. Uh-huh. Duenita, Duenita, ¿te puedo parar una, co- una, una coca? And then my mom was like, ah, uh, sure. My mom's favorite drinks are Coke. So every time they'd offer her like a, a bottle of Coke for cooking her food really well, yeah. she'd always say, yeah, because she's not going to say no because right. she knows That's my uncle favorite. charges her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my mom had gentlemen that would bring her flowers, chocolates, uh, stuffed animals. They really loved my mom's food. And then my mom slowly just kind of disappeared from there. You yeah. know, it wasn't the best work environment. And for those that struggle in a toxic work environment, if you're able to leave, put yourself first in some of those situations. Yeah, and the restaurant industry is not always an easy place to be. It's not. Yeah. Um, if you can find yourself in a better situation, do yourself the favor for anyone that's hearing this out. The um, reason why I say it is because it's the honest truth. Um, most people struggle with some mental health. Sure. Um, so why not put yourself in a better position in some cases Yeah. Um, if you can? So she did. And eventually she went to another little restaurant. Um, that place was being rented out from one of the big owners on 24th Street, which if for our audience that doesn't know 24th Street, 24th Street is basically, we used to call it Mall of Mexico. It's a little... Big strip of a lot of Hispanic Latin markets. Yep. Um, there's some restaurants, there's some bars, there's some clothing items. So one of the owners of one of the the most popular restaurant there was renting this building out to her sister-in-law. Okay. And her sister-in-law was the one that reached out to my mom and said, hey, I don't know much about cooking. Um, I do know I would love for you to be with me and show me these things so then – we can have this business together. And my mom was like, well, I don't really like to do that because, you know, that's a lot of work for myself. She's like, but I'll, sure. I'll pay you really well, this and that. And my mom was like, okay, I'll help you. Within three months, they were stealing business, not stealing, but gravitating all the other customers from all the restaurants nearby, and they were bringing them there. Uh-huh. As the customers noticed the difference in the quality of the food, the sure. portion sizes, and just overall taste. So someone didn't like that. <laughs> And they decided to raise the rent on that place. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because they, they noticed their customers were slowly gravitating towards there. Yeah, yeah. Rapidly, actually. Her friend's sister-in-law shut it down. She Whoa. says, I don't want you to take our business. You're, you're ruining our business. And, and then I would always tell people, it's like, no one steals nothing from anybody because nothing's really ours. If someone's going to get mad that someone chooses somewhere to go instead of where you're at, Maybe you should adjust what you have going on and not point fingers to where they want to go. Maybe understand why they're leaving. Mm-hmm. It's called quality. Yeah. And after that, we we started doing catering. We dominated. We're now into 19 different cities. So and how how did that how did that restaurant then turn into or or the catering or whatever? Then how did how did La Poblanita happen from from there? Oh, so we had a variety of customers. Every security guard in Omaha knows us because we'd see him at all of these events. Sure. Um, every single weekend we had a different event. We had multiple weekends, multiple events per weekend and during the week. We were doing foods to different companies, different construction places. We had a lot of customers ask us. They're like, I really like your guys' food, but I don't want to have to sneak into events every weekend <laughs> to find you guys to eat them. When are you guys going to open a restaurant? Yeah. And I tell them, and we have this saying in Spanish, si Dios quiere, if, if God wants to. Uh-huh. Um, 
you know, we'll eventually settle down somewhere. We don't know where exactly, but, you know, hopefully we find somewhere. And they're like, okay, okay. I get to know these people on a one-on-one. So eventually we talked about it, and she's been eyeballing that, the current location that we're at. Uh-huh. And she was like, I want that place. It's yeah. been empty for quite a while. And I said, yeah. okay, well, what do you want to do about it? And she was like, we could save up some money and see how it goes. We opened it up, had everything licensed. At the time, I was 19 right before I turned 20. Um, I was committing to a lot, yeah. a very, very lot. I believe at the time I was Nebraska's youngest restaurant owner, I think. That's a possibility. Wow. Yeah. Or one of the youngest in, restaurant In the owners. running for sure. Yeah, in the running <laughs> for sure. Um, I was one of the youngest Hispanic for sure, that one. Yeah. Um, we got that place. I committed to it. Where we are today, based on the amount of people that we had coming in, it was an amazing first start. It was an amazing first start, and then it got rough. Uh, mentally, physically, and emotionally, and most importantly, financially. Yeah. Because when we opened up, yeah. um, we had less than $1,000 saved. Oh, wow. Wow. So if anything went anything sideways, went, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. And so I, I remember I tell myself, I said, I'm my backup plan. I can't fail <laughs> if I fail, I, there's, I lose so much, and I just started. Yeah. And the pandemic happened, and I said I refused to have a bad day when the pandemic happens. And we tried our best. Um, I had to reactivate some of my old personal social medias. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually stay away from my phone if I don't need to be on it just because sure. your business might become someone else's for sure. irrelevant reasons, right? Yeah. Fresh out of high school, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. So – we grew popularity. We started getting customers back in the door slowly. And we realized there really wasn't many restaurants that survived more than a year there. Yeah, because I, I, I can't recall. I mean, I've, I've been in the neighborhood a long time because I, I live in South Omaha. And, yeah. and I can't recall any longstanding place there. No. And so, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, love, I love, love, love my community. I've gotten to the point where I know most of my neighbors by names. Nice. Um, and they all commute there almost daily. Sure. Um, not everybody has the same situation where cooking ability is a big thing for people. Yeah. If I can feed your kid for $8 because they're going to commute a burrito and you want to take a nap because you're tired from work, I'd rather you give your dollar your, your kid the $8 to come and eat. You yeah. take a rest and, you know, take it easy. Um, even if yourself, if you're hungry. You know, we yeah. take care of everybody here. Um, which is the nice thing to have. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, you definitely uh, took care of us on my, my first time in. And, uh, you know, everything from the, the Fuego tacos you have and you know, <laughs> the, the hand-smashed guacamole when it's there. And, and all those things is always delicious. And and speaking of not guacamole, but mole, um, <laughs> that's one of those things where uh, my very first meal, you were describing your mole. Yeah. You, Puebla mole versus... Uh, you know, from from other regions of Mexico. And one of the discussions that seems to always happen about it, it doesn't matter what type of food it is. It's like... Origin story? Yeah. And, you know, I think you, if I recall, you had said there's at least seven, like seven major or six major moles that are kind of in your consciousness. But I, I'm going to let you tell it best because okay. what, what, I, what I would like to know... Tell me about where where your mole comes from. And you were also telling me about the number of ingredients in your mole. It's a lot. It's like 20 plus or something crazy like that. 39. 30, okay. So, all right. So I'm ready when you are. <laughs> all right. So so hit the audience with the mole. Tell me about it and its diversity, yours, and what all goes into it. Mole originated from Puebla, Mexico. Now, there is an argument on that one because there's two other places that you can – Try to backtrack it from, but there's a reason why it's called Mole Poblano and not these other names. Mm-hmm. Um, the Aztecs used to try to get into Mole and the definition of what it was. You can only go back so far in history to even figure that information. Sure. Um, it's facts or false uh, in provision. Um, another place is Oaxaca. Oaxaca. So in Mole terms, Mole is basically a chocolate sauce. Traditionally, it was either paired with turkey or chicken. Right, because turkey is a very traditional, traditional meat. Yeah. Yes, so, in Mexico, yeah. Um, 
And there's no wrong way to eat mole with whatever animal you so choose. <laughs> uh-huh. Just like there is no wrong way of cooking birra with whatever animal you so choose. Yeah. Our mole is from Puebla, Mexico, because that's where my mom's from. That's where she learned it, and she mm-hmm. carried the roots and changed it over time over here. She added more to it as it was needed. Yeah. Our mole is mole poblano. In Puebla, Mexico, from historian days, there is two moles. Our mole is technically mole rojo. Okay. Mm-hmm. There is also another mole called mole negro. Mm-hmm. The big difference, it's not, even though it says red mole, um, mole rojo, it's technically kind of a nice, smooth chocolate brown. It is. It's a little lighter red, brown. Yeah, instead yeah. of an actual red red. Yep. Um, and then the other one's straight up just dark black. It's like getting a dark chocolate, yeah. just kind of more dark yeah. than that. Um, in historian days, from what I remember, if you ate mole negro, you were significantly in a wealthier and richer family okay. than the poor in a mole rojo. Okay. How the, my mother used to explain it to me, she told me that her mom told her a fairy tale of how it was back in the day that there was a, I believe, a king coming to town and the nuns had to prepare a meal specially fit for the king or the king would destroy everything there. And oh, it geez. has to be something <laughs> new to him. Now, there's different stories on, you know, it's like Jack and the Beanstalk kind sure. of stories. So you never know what to believe. But my mom grew up on one where the nuns have to fix a, a meal. It was either for the king or the pope. And they had to throw in a bunch of ingredients in there. Out came out mole. When you get an idea of how many ingredients you have, you know, you kind of think about it. You're like, wow. So... For us, simplicity is the best. Now, even though we have 39 ingredients in there, (laughs) Uh um, and it takes time to make, I still think 39 beats 100 in most times because Uh there's places that do have over 100 plus. There's places that have over 75 plus or 50 plus ingredients. It's quite a bit. That's a lot anyway. It's quite a bit. Um, From what I noticed from my years – no matter how the chicken is cooked, I prefer the chicken over the turkey mm-hmm. because the chicken looks at the mole and the mole looks at the chicken and says, I want to dance with you. Um, so the mole dances with the chicken no matter what form of chicken it is. It can be fried. It can be chicken in a tortilla fried like a flauta dipped in mole. I've had it all. That sounds good. I've had it all because I'm, I'm able to make it all. Right. <laughs> um, it, it does something with chicken that no other meat makes mm-hmm. with mole. When we get to making the mole process, we have some ingredients straight from Mexico, and then we have some that are local. It takes about 39 ingredients and about approximately 38 hours to cook. Oof. Now, that does not mean we have the pan cooking for 38 hours. Sure. I mean, how long? I don't think <laughs> you got to sleep sometime. Yeah, got to sleep sometime. So the biggest difference between our mole and everybody else's, we have a cooling process. Okay. If I cook all the vegetables and – not vegetables, but all the ingredients and whatever else we're putting inside the mole, if you right away – dump that or try to cook that, you're mixing too much heat and you're, instead of letting the flavors evolve into each other, yeah. you literally dismantle and disintegrating them. Yeah. Most people don't know that. So yeah, it's, when it, it's almost like a stew tastes it, better the following day. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, how do you say it? I've seen so many people in like cooking shows and YouTube videos where they're trying to make it and right away within that first hour, it's made. Instead, we let it sit. We let it get cold and we let it sit. Yeah. The next day is when we start the resting period of everything else. We blend it. Now all the ingredients have marinated and sat with each other. They all became best friends. They're like, hey, you, there's a party over there you want to come with? Right. Yeah, man, let's go. <laughs> so they all get blended. Um, and then we make ours with chocolate as well. So mm-hmm. chocolate is a big thing. Most people like to add spice. We don't necessarily feel like it needs it. Yeah, um, so yeah. The, your, your mole is is actually pretty, pretty mild. I mean yeah. – completely flavorful, you know. Uh, the Oaxacan mole that I've encountered has a little more heat to it, yeah. typically. And I think what's so interesting is you you look at your your dish, and if you go way back on the Saturday social media, there's some pictures on there. Um, but you look at that sauce, and somebody might be a little scared of it, 
Because it looks intense, right? Because yeah. it's such a deep color. It's but don't dark. be scared. It's <laughs> it's just it's 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 ready to shake hands it, with you. It's, it's delicious. It's a nice coat, you know. Yeah. You don't you want to say hi to the person in the nice coat at the at the party because <laughs> you're like, oh, where'd you get that? Right. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but the origin of mole, there's different regions that make different foods, um, but the originality is it started from our state in Mexico. Yeah. Now such as Cinco de Mayo, um, which was a battle that was won from Puebla over France. When that battle was won, what do you think they were celebrating with? They were, I hope it's mole. They were eating mole. <laughs> they were eating mole. <laughs> uh, and big parties, big traditions, that's where it starts from. Yeah. So anybody that makes that um, has to find a way to make it exactly how it's made over there. Yeah. That's why it's a very rich and popular dish over here because you don't have any people that are from there over here that cook. Right. Like that. Is it time for a taco break? A mole moment? Well, there's messages ahead. So hang on to your fork, stay right where you are, and Saturday Omaha will be right back. Stay hungry. Welcome back to Saturday Omaha. Dave Zorko here, and on this episode, it's Food Recognized Food with Indalicio Penalosa of La Poblanita at 2322 South 20th Street. His restaurant offers delicious mole that we tried way back in March of 2021, as well as many other options. Now we get to talk with Indy about all things food, and we hope you enjoy our conversation. Yeah, and, and one of the things I, I really like, so I, I'm also a big fan of Indian food, and I like Indian food. It has, you know, especially if you get a curry, it's very deeply flavored, a lot yeah. of spices and seasonings, and like you said, melded together in stew. Mole, to me, has that same just characteristic oh my gosh and it's it's such a satisfying thing to yeah. eat because there's there's lots of care and like you said all these ingredients that are involved but they work so well together and it's just this complex flavor that you can't get elsewhere exactly. you know yeah it's so good so good are, are there any other dishes at at la poblanita um besides the mole that are are distinctly from puebla We've gotten asked why we don't make certain other foods. Uh-huh. One of them is called semitas. Oh, I'm not familiar. And semitas is basically like a super XL torta. Oh, cool. Right? Okay. The reason why we don't make them is because we can't make them like how they make them <laughs> over there. Fair enough. Um, that would be the heaviest plate we would sell. Uh-huh. Um, the biggest thing that nobody makes here, nobody in the Midwest, because I know because I've searched it up and I've seen it and I've tried it's the bread. The bread right, has that's to be really key, right? Special bread. It has to be exactly yeah. the special bread that they use over there. Apart from that, we're not in a super sunny state where we produce our own avocados. Right. They literally dump at least one, if not one and a half whole avocados on the semita. The semita is about the size of our plate. And that's how big the bread is. Whoa. They don't really use mayonnaise there either. Yeah. So it's it's a big milanesa. Uh, milanesa is in terms of a breaded steak or a breaded chicken. It's a big thin piece. They yeah. add one of those. They have this Oaxaca cheese. Yep. That where it's really stringy. It's kind of like our, our mozzarella cheese here, but just a lot more stringier, more gooier. Yeah. Um, they do like a layer of avocado on top of the bread, the milanesa, the cheese. Uh, more avocado and then lettuce and other other little toppings that you want on it, and then the bread, and it's literally like a gigantic supersized sandwich. Wow. It's, it's, it's as big, at least from my knowledge, eight by eight. Oh, my eight gosh. Eight inches by eight inches. That's huge. And then it's about six, seven inches tall. Whoa. So it's a, it's a big sandwich. It's one of those things you can split into a family of four if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, we just, nobody makes the bread here. Nobody makes the bread. And, uh, avocados accessibility over here at that price tag, that sandwich can cost oh. easily over $25 here. Easy. Yeah, because yeah. avocados have gone way up lately, it's too. Insane, it's crazy. Insane how yeah. that's happened. Oh, man. Well, that's that's two sandwiches we're limited to because I know a lot of people keep searching for the perfect Cubano sandwich. Yeah. And we don't have the bread available here either. Uh, so it's like <laughs> – <laughs> the, And they also have a tortas cubanas, which is – Every person has their own definition of that one as well. Uh-huh. Uh, you can literally do a milanesa with some steak, in a sense. Sometimes not. Sometimes, yeah. So you do like a breaded chicken with um, some steak, which would be your asada meat for like your tacos. Yeah. You can add ham. You can add a fried egg over it, uh, onions, tomato, avocado, lettuce. And then you can top the top 
bun with beans and the bottom with mayo. You'd cut it and it'd be a big, big old sandwich. Yeah. But not all those ingredients are always available. Um, and every person has their own definition of a Cubana sandwich sure. or a torta. So we don't try to mess with things we're not too comfortable with changing. Yeah. If somebody doesn't understand, well, this is how we make. Oh, no, it's how I eat it this way. So yeah, it's kind of hard to tell the definitions. Indeed. Um, Speaking about that, yeah, that's why we change names in certain of our foods. Aha, uh-huh. okay. And one of those things is our fuego tacos. Right, because you don't call them a, a birria taco. I don't call them quesa birria tacos. Right. And that's what everybody calls them. So in Mexico, there is a very popular meat, and I did mention it when I was talking about mole. It's called birra. Just like mole, there really isn't a specific animal that you make the meat out of. Uh-huh. Traditionally, it was made of goat. Over time, it evolved into cattle, uh-huh. it evolved into pork, and it also went into lamb. You can literally make birra out of whatever animal you so choose to. It depends what pieces of the animal you use. You can go from birra to barbacoa, right? Just two different complete meats. Yeah. Barbacoa has an insane more texture. That's when you're mixing multiple parts of whatever animal you're using, such as the head, the cheek, the shoulders, and the stomach, and you can mix it, and that would be barbacoa. But if you're mostly just going at basically the shoulders, which for most cows are the chuck, mm-hmm. that chuck is the birra. So that would be your big difference. You have multiple pieces throughout the animal, which is your barbacoa. Uh-huh. And then you have just that one piece that's the main piece um, for your birra meat. Um, everybody doesn't understand that sometimes. There's complaints and fights and well, this is <laughs> traditional and this is not. Right. Well, most people that argue about it are the ones that don't cook it. Right, so, right. So – Every part in Mexico is very different. So your definition of birra might be different from their definition of birra just because, well, some of the stuff over here, we don't have access to them like they do over there. They literally use every calcium off the animal. Yeah. I'm not kidding. There's people that eat bones because there's so much calcium in those bones. Um, And it's hard to have people understand that when ways of life over here are very different than over there. Sure. And – when I tell customers, we have birra tacos, which are birra meat, which made from cattle over here, mm-hmm. and a tortilla, and onions and cilantro and a lime. That's a birra taco to us. Yeah. We're not doing anything fancy with the tortilla. It's literally just a tortilla cooked in oil. The other one is called a fuego taco. The reason why I called it fuego, as I was explaining to David, <laughs> um, I do not use profanity mm-hmm. in our restaurant. So... When I'm not able to say certain words, uh, I let the food talk for itself. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we basically called it Fuego Taco. Fuego in Latin means slang for fire. Right. As in, man, this taco is fire. fire. Basically, our Fuego Taco, I take the tortilla um, with the birra meat. You're basically cooking it in a stew. The stew part of it is called the consumé, which is the natural broth, the juice that's yeah. in there. I take some of the broth. I extract it. I add an enhanced sauce to it which makes the broth for the part that I'm about to use to paint my tortillas a different color. So they'll come out kind of like a nice sunburst color. I'll grab my tortillas. I'll cook my tortillas, add a cheese onto it, um, add the meat onto it, onions and cilantro, and I'll close up the taco, put it to sleep. And then it goes right into bed, and the bed ends up being woken up by the hungry monster, which (laughs) is our customers. (laughs) So basically it's a nice ooey-gooey cheese with our tacos, onions, and cilantro. Uh, the consomme is made for dipping and drinking as a broth. I've seen people just dip it into there. I suggest you drink the actual consomme because it's so rich in flavor. Yeah. Now, at least one of the tacos, it doesn't matter how many you order. I don't put a limit on how many you want to eat. I've seen someone knock down 12. Whoa. And they woke up like nothing happened. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of tacos. Yeah, it's a lot of tacos, but hey, more power to the person. Um, I believe at least one of the tacos, you should squeeze some lime into the tacos, not the broth, but the actual tacos. It totally changes the flavor. It changes the flavor because the lime dances with the cheese. They become best friends. That acidity. And they talk to your tongue and they said, hey, man. Yeah. We haven't been here, have we? And the cheese will tell them like, no, we haven't. And then your tongue's literally talking to the cheese and the lime as you're taking a bite, which right away pulls you back in. And you're like, wow, that's such a difference. That's yeah. such a big difference. Um, and especially when you dump it in the consomme, you add so much broth mm-hmm. to that taste. 
it bursts in your mouth and it bursts with flavor. We don't call them Quesa Birra. Um, I've never really been a big fan of the name, honestly. I listen to a lot of Latin music. So for me, there's a lot of, in the artist genre specifically, you have American music and you have Spanish music. Spanish music as American music also has categories. So like how we have R&B, soul, same with Spanish music. You have cumbias, you have norteños, you have reggaeton, you have uh, marache, salsa. You have all these different genres of music. Yeah. For the biggest one that says the most Latin stuff um, is reggaeton. For me, reggaeton's always been a heart and soul of me from my Latin people into my food. Yeah. There's so many artists that say the word fuego every single time. I love that word because no one else uses that word the way we use it. Yeah. And I can't just search up what songs have the word fuegos. No, I listen to those songs that have the word fuegos in them. So when I'm advertising or I'm promoting my tacos and I have a background song and we're having a fuego taco special, that word fuego will pop up in the song and people are like, wow, that's a really popular word. It was like, yeah, that's part of my culture. That's, sure. that's our people. And I like to keep that same soul stuck in the taco. Yeah. Right? Um, so we had those on special for Cinco de Mayo for $2. And that was the last time I did them at $2. We had a line wrapped around the building from the front entrance to the back exit. And there was over a two-hour wait time on food. Yeah. I, well, and I mean, you know, a lot of just a smaller standard asada street taco, you know, a lot of places runs about three bucks. So when you're getting yeah. something that is, you know, that complex for two bones, that's that's pretty good. It's really good. Yeah. But, I, you know, one thing I like about that that particular, you know, application of, of taco, I mean, you're, you're like quadrupling down on the savory factor because you have your, your tortilla that you, you know, you have your oil or consomme that however you're going to, you know, soak it or dip it or fry it. Yeah. You've got your, your, your queso in there. And so you've got kind of a salty savory component. My goodness, you're taking savory and dipping it into savory. And what I like about your recommendation on the lime, and I, I'd say this for any, any taco, there's a reason that lime comes there, with those tacos, yeah. right? Because if you want that purely savory bite, but much like a, a Vietnamese or Thai dish, where you add that extra hit of acidity, it just changes the flavor profile entirely. It's just so good. So. It's like a personal preference. I've always told people the way you know a taco from – a good taco from bad taco, put all the toppings on the side, eat the meat, eat the tortilla. If that tells you, man, that's really good, yeah. then you may add the rest of your <laughs> salsas and all this other stuff when you're tasting food out. When I go out to eat – yeah. The first two tacos I eat are two of the meats that I really want to try from that place, but they're plain tacos. Yeah. And my friends always ask me, like, why do you do that? And I'm like, I don't want a false impressions under toppings. Sure. I want the pureness of it yeah. from what it comes from. There's a uh, uh, you know pizza place in town, Paisan's Pizza. Yeah. And they have a slice of pizza on the menu called the 55. And it's their basic cheese pizza. And that's the basically the description they have on their menu for pizza is what you were just saying about taco. It's like in a slice of cheese pizza, you can't hide anything, uh -uh. right? It's crust, it's sausage cheese. That's the basics, man. So <laughs> taste that, check it out. If that's good, then, then you've you got may, it. Then, then you've you got the rest of your stuff. Exactly. Hey, everyone. We're talking with Indalicio Penalosa of La Poblanita at 2322 South 20th Street. There's more flavorful talk with myself and Indy to be had. So let's get back to the show. Well, well, speaking of, of places uh, around Omaha, so, okay, when <laughs> when you're not shopping for 30-plus ingredients for, yeah. for your mole and cooking at the restaurant, and even today, you were so kind to come in on your day. I'm going to I'm gonna use off and air quotes Quote, because I know shorts. you were busy, <laughs> and I see you're wearing a chef shirt right now, so I, I know you're busy at the restaurant. So, But when you get a chance to get out and eat, are there any other places around Omaha for any type of cuisine that you like to – do you like to go? Where might people like to go? Actually, yeah, I do. Um, depends on the day of the week. Um, also kind of depends on the time of day I actually get to go out to eat. Sure. Um, we started closing earlier on Saturdays now because we have a catering commitment to make. Yeah. So depending on the time of day, um, some of my favorite spots are spots that I'm able to introduce others. Ooh, I like this. To the point where I feel comfortable enough that I don't need any special treatment to get there. Sure. Um, I've been lucky and blessed enough to know so many owners, to get to know so many public people. Popularity is a big thing nowadays. I really like the places where if I don't go there, my friends are still going to get treated as 
great as I do. Sure. So I, don't, I, I get special treatments at some places, but you and the individual. Anybody can go to have Anybody a nice experience. Go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite places, and they're cash only, um, her name is Tere, and his name is Raul. They're the owners of Amigos Hot Dogs on 24th Street. Right on. So they have a little white truck um, on the 24th Street Mall closer to La Rosa de Guadalupe. So it's right next to kind of a church. Yeah. Are they usually set up in kind of a, a little a parking plaza? lot? Yeah, a little yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen them. Yeah. So yeah. they do some bacon-wrapped hot dogs. Ooh. And they toast the bun. Uh-huh. And they do a little bit of mayonnaise inside the bun. And it's what we call Hispanic hot dogs. And yeah. Some ketchup. Pretty cheap. It's actually three fifty a hot dog. Nice. Um, I've been to other local places where they're charging four or five plus plus tax sure. for a hot dog. Now these guys do cash only, so there's no tax on their stuff. I can easily get eight hot dogs. Go with whoever I'm with. Go enjoy. Sit down downtown. We can go get an ice cream nearby. Uh, get something to drink, or we could just you know have fun and kind of just en- enjoy the day. And yeah. Um. Uh, speaking about them, I was there yesterday and I bought <laughs> hot dogs. I bought what was it? 18 hot dogs for everybody at the restaurant. Nice. And they said hi to me, and they eat at the restaurant too. So amazing people. Um, another place I like to go to if I'm going with friends kind of later in the night mm-hmm. is uh, Fizzy's Fountains. In, in, oh, uh, I love Fizzy's. I really have never had a bad burger from there. I agree. Their burger, their burger is solid, fuego. Pretty solid. Yeah, pretty <laughs> solid. Um, for them, to me, it, it's nice to have that because – I'm a double cheeseburger guy. Yeah. I've never been a single cheeseburger guy. Even at the cookouts, I'm the guy that gets the double with the cheese. Uh-huh. That's just always been me. Um, when I'm able to get a nice egg on it and some bacon, and their fries are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, their burgers are really good, and they also have a chicken sandwich that no one else seems to match in terms of you pay what you get for. Yeah, it's yeah. called the rooster. Nice. The rooster had it. is two chicken thighs fried boneless. Chicken thighs holds a different flavor when it's boneless. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Um, and they put this, like, nice little sauce on it, and it's in a bun. It's an amazing sandwich. Their stuff is really, really good. Um, I like going there because they're down the street from us. Yeah. So Real close. When it's when I'm prepping late at night, I'm like, you know what, man? I'm hungry. I'm not trying to be at a fast food line waiting 30 minutes plus. <laughs> you know, I'd rather just go down the street and, you know, go get some food from them. Yeah. Uh, another place I like to go to, yeah, uh, there is a place out in West Omaha called Vincenzo's. Oh, sure. So I like Vincenzo's pizza actually more than their food. Their St. Louis style pizza. Out there. I like their Sicilia pizza. Yeah, it's like a meat lovers version of their pizza. Yeah, it's really thin crust. I've always been a fan of their pizza. Their cheese is really simple. I like simple things, simpleness mm-hmm. to that. Uh, another place I like to go to. Um, is WD Cravings. Sure. Oh, yeah. So Piero's I like going. Place. Yeah, Piero's place is really cool. Yeah. Um, I like his setup. Um, they have a really good chicken parmesan as well. Mm-hmm. Their noodles are very different. Uh, the way I explain to the noodles to my friends, it literally looks like an octopus. Yeah. Because they're just, they're so curled. I don't know how to explain it, but they're super, yep. super curled. I, I was very, very blessed. Piero actually uh taught me how to make pasta. And, really? and, I, and I say taught me because I have a lot to learn, but I was fortunate enough to have a one-on-one session with him and do some handmade pasta. Yeah, that's and cool. And the love and care that he puts into those noodles is amazing. I you know. can taste it out there. I, yeah, for sure. I like when he does his chew, his uh, cheese wheel stuff. Oh, yeah. He, he really gets into it. Yep. He's a lot farther for me to get to him than he is to get to us. Yeah, that's a he, drive, man. That's quite a bit of a drive. Yeah. But I've managed to support him quite a bit of times, and he's managed to support us quite a bit of times. So that's great. It's very nice to have. I know I, I did bring up this one word. Um, we were talking about fuego, right? Yep. So I said fuego is slang for land, which is fire. This word fuego is slang for fire, and it means spice. In a sense, because mm-hmm. what people think is fire are like Takis, right? Oh, they're, they're spicy. Yep. Well, our Fuego tacos are not spicy. You can make them spicy by adding our salsa roja, which is our red sauce. Mm-hmm. And every single time I get asked, at least almost once a day, they'll say, hey, is your Fuego taco, how spicy is it? Because they hear the word Fuego automatically think spicy. Sure. I kept telling myself, I said, you know what? You guys ask for a spicy taco. Why don't I just make one? Right? Yeah. And the only thing I can say is I make a spicy taco. <laughs> nice. In a sense. Um, the toppings on it are still up to play. The meat on it is still up to play. But um, I know due to demand, 
I feel like that might be an every once in a while taco because mm-hmm. I know I can never keep up with it daily. So I know that might have to be like a once a month kind of taco. Sure. But it's something very new, very, very new. Um, I would hope to at least sell them in pairs. So two tacos for a certain price. Instead yeah, you, of buying, you can't eat just one taco, man. Yeah, no. But it's in that, <laughs> that's the thing. With, with these, since they're a little bit bigger yeah. and they're with homemade tortillas, yeah. two is more than enough to, to share or to get one person full. Sure. Yeah. So, well, yeah, your chef creativity coming out there and creating something new. Very, and very, awesome, man. very different. We, we have over 300 menu items that we haven't put out there, but – we're leaving those out for now just because we're already having a little bit of trouble keeping up with what we got. We don't want to add too much into our plate where we can't control our quality. Sure, sure. So, that makes sense because you got to have that good, consistent product. Otherwise, people aren't going to come back. It takes me two minutes to cook your food properly. It takes me two seconds to set it up properly. The first bite you take is with your eyes. When you look at our food, you're like, wow, that looks really good. Well, and, and you know, you mentioned that consistency and stuff too. And you uh, earlier in our talk here, you were talking about you know people that sort of you know followed your mom or found out she was cooking there and yeah. came to seek that food because they know that that's going to be something that they miss and that they like and that exactly. They enjoy. Well, and and speaking of you know things long back before we you know kind of kind of trail off towards the the end of our discussion here too. But I just want to talk to you a little bit about uh, food memories too. Some things that you know from way back that you know either meals, specific dishes, or experiences that really means something to you. I mean, because, you know, kind of either got the spark to you or, I mean, shoot, it could have just been a slice of pizza on the beach one day or a taco somebody made for you or the best steak you ever had. But what what's a meal or food experience maybe that, you know, that really means something to you? <laughs> Recently, I, um, I went to Chicago and my taste buds, they have a strength now. It's really weird. I can... Eat something, and my taste buds, instead of enjoying it, they slowly dissect Ooh, they what start I'm analyzing. Yeah, they start yeah. analyzing stuff, and it's like a data, it's like a data process. <laughs> and I asked my, uh, my girl best friend, I said, what do you want to eat today? She was like, uh, it doesn't matter. And I was like, all right, cool. I saw an Italian place that caught my eye, mm-hmm. and I had ordered a Wangu beef mm-hmm. New York strip. A5 is the highest tier in Wangu. Yeah. Very expensive. Mm-hmm. Very, very expensive. Um, I believe this one was sort of an 8-2. Now, this is the most recent experience that meant a lot to me because the actual chef came out. And he says, how's your food? I said, great. He said, our manager told me you're from, you're from uh, Omaha. And I said, yeah. He said, my family's from there too. And I was like, really? So I'm like, what are you doing over here? He's like, well, I, I chased my dreams, man. I said, really? It is more of the overall experience I had there yeah. and, and, and the food. And he was like, you know, not a lot of people order medium well on Wangu. He's like, the reason why I came out here is because I wanted to see your expression on how you ate your medium well steak. And I said, okay. I said, I know Wangu has a very soft butter texture to it. Sure. A lot of marbling in there. A yep. lot of mar- extreme marbling in there. Yep. Medium well food with a steak. That's supposed to be super soft, that it has a crisp edge to it. I said, did you know that? He said, I do. I said, because I know what soft is. Soft is in the middle. But I also like a little bit of texture mm-hmm. at the end. And he was like, oh, that's why you ordered that. And I said, of course. Because the middle of it is going to melt in my mouth. But in order for me to feel like I even have something in my mouth, mm-hmm. that little crisp edge. Sure. It's like the pizza edge. Yeah. And he was like, wow, really? And I was like, yeah, it's really good here. Try a piece, and he eats it. I gave him the the edge that had the most um, char on it. Mm-hmm. He eats it, and he was like, "I've never had it like that." I said, "Something different." No, he's like, "Yeah," and I was like, "There you go." <laughs> well, and you're right, and it might actually be a little bit bitter because the char the char on there is going to be a slight bitterness uh, there, so it might even change the the flavor of the overall bite a little bit it, too. It did and texture because all the oils and the the chime and everything they used to cook the steaks. Mm-hmm. They're rendering it back in. So that little edge that gets getting crispier and crispier the longer it stays on there mm-hmm. because they're pan-seared. Sure. So he had, a, he had a different experience, and he's been working there for 10-plus years. And he realized, he's like, you cook, don't you? And I was like, yeah. And then he, uh, he followed us on our, on our Instagram page, and it's really nice. He, she, he sends us a, a message every once in a while. Well, that looks really good. And I was like, thanks. I found out our poblanita fries. Mm-hmm. No one in Chicago makes them like that at all. 
And when I was talking to a lot of the Hispanic community there, they're like, you know, if you made those fries over here, you'd grow so much in popularity so fast because there's nothing like that here. And I was like, thanks. That means the world to me because it's yeah. new doors open up in places you don't expect. If just, that's just make sure you staff up this location so we yeah. can still get your food here. <laughs> I, I, I have family up in that area, but uh, that's a long drive for, for uh, Samole. So, I, you know, not, not that I might not do that, but uh, I'd, yeah. I'd send you a care package. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, before, before we kind of wind things down here, where's the best place to keep an eye on La Poblanita and the new things that you're doing and these kind of where can people find you? So we are on Instagram, Facebook, and also now TikTok. Awesome. Our username is the same, and I will spell it out for everybody. It's L-A-P-O-B-L-A-N-I-T-A-O-M-A-H-A. So La Poblanita Omaha. Awesome. Um, Instagram is our most quickest response time um, because I can actually text you within a matter of seconds. Sure. Um, Facebook will take me a few minutes. On our reply times, we're less than 15 minutes, which is very responsive. Um, to everybody that's gluten-free, we do have some options for you. Awesome. If anybody is not able to produce uh, sodium, because we've had a customer that's come in that's gluten-free, no oils, uh, no salt, no meat, lactose, and vegetarian or and vegan. I made them bell peppers with barely any seasoning in it Mm -hmm. it's a nice crisp bell pepper uh homemade tortillas and i just made them kind of a little bit of uh, lettuce tomato and avocado and they were able to process that but we try to take care of everybody the best way we can that's awesome and so um obviously uh currently closed on monday because you need some type of relative day off ish thing (laughs) uh so just uh real quick and and obviously keep an eye on the instagram for and this goes for any restaurant yeah check out the website instagram those things to keep an eye out for hours because staffing is a big thing it is uh food uh supply lines are a big thing so currently what are your hours and, and days our current hours we are open six days a week Saturday, we're open from 11 a.m. till 3.30 or 3 p.m., just depending on the day. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, we're open from 11 a.m. till 7 p.m. The only day we sell Fuego tacos or Fuego quesadillas is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We sell menudo and pozole on Saturdays and Sundays. Unless it sells out one of the other days. It's your hangover food. Man. Yeah. You gotta say, have I, they literally call me the doctor because I saved these people's lives. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, good, good deal. All right. Well, Indelicio, Indy, thank you so much for – Thank you, David. Yeah. It's, it's great to talk to you. And, uh, you know, go go down and see Indy at uh, La Poblanita off of uh, 20th and uh, Martha right yeah. about there. Right? That's about the closest intersection there. You can take the interstate from anywhere in the city, hop off on the, the exit there, and, and wham, you're right yeah, there. Yeah, so. pretty, pretty close by to 13th Street. You find Sogo Auditorium, you take a left seven blocks up and down the street, you'll be right next to us once you take a left at the Convenience World. It is a mommy and me restaurant, so I cook there with my mother every day. Um, I would not have anything that I have in this world without my mom or mm. her knowledge. So I'm very appreciative of her traditional passing on to anything that I can make into my own and also keep the tradition alive. Now, I know a lot of places are being commercialized. Um, that's something I refuse to do just because I, that's, not the way I, that's not the way I think. I think if you do everything personal, you have connections like mine and yours. Now, if I made mine into a Burger King, you probably would never, ever talk to someone like me because you, would, <laughs> you wouldn't feel as special as you do in these smaller locations where you feel like a personal connection. Absolutely. It's so. it's it's a tiny, uh, nice, fun, delicious spot. So go check it out. So we'll sign it off here on Fatterday Omaha. And this is Dave Zorko. And as we say, until we eat again, stay hungry. Our show is recorded and produced by Fatterday Omaha. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as email FatterdayOmaha at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and stay hungry.